I don't know if you were able to make it to the prayer walk last Sunday. Uh, hopefully you didn't forget about it, but if you weren't able to be there for because you had previous plans or because um, you had other things going on, just were out of town or whatever, uh, I'm sorry you missed it. It was really a very, it was a great event. It was a God-honoring event, and um, I just was so pleased by the turnout we had and what we did and for the time that we spent in prayer, I think it was just a very powerful time for the church. And um, just really happy with all the work that went into it and all the planning. And I just think that God was really honored. And I feel uh, it's really been an important part of our whole prayer month to just really gather together with all the campuses, whether it's the Kennedy campus or the, the college campus, the UD campus, to gather together as one church and just pray for the city. And I just think it was a it was a great event, and um, I think God was honored, and so I was really pleased by that. Um, I've been. Would you do me a favor? I think in your bulletin you have this this prayer thing, and it has a verse on the back from Revelation. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Just keep that handy, because I'm going to ask you to do something with that in a little bit. I have I have been away from my house this week. I guess at all the right times. Because when I come home, I find all these political ads jammed in my door. And I realize I've missed a lot of conversations that I don't want to have. So I've, I've timed it really well. I mean, literally, I mean, I'm throwing, I don't know about you, I'm throwing away five or six ads a day. It's just, I'm not even looking at them. They're going, they're just going into the garbage. But I'm so glad I don't have to have a, a, a long, drawn-out discussion with somebody about whoever. I don't really want to do that. In fact, I'm going to reveal a secret to you. When the, if they were to come to the door and I was the only one home, I wouldn't answer the door. I wouldn't. I would turn the lights off. I would shut the TV or whatever noise, and I would be very quiet and hope they would go away. That's just the way I am. I know some of you would just whip the door open, invite them in, have them sit at your table and have coffee with them. That's not who I am. That's good for you, but it's not for me. You know, we've been talking about prayer. And this will come back and you say, well, what does that have to do? You'll get it in a minute. We've been talking about prayer and really the theme of the whole month has really been this. God wants to be with you. He provided a path so that you could be with him. He provided his son to come to earth to die on a cross so that you could be with him. He desperately wants to be with you. And see prayer as a relational. Let's move away from the formulas of prayer. Let's move away from the, the mechanicalness of prayer. And let's move to relationship and realize that God wants to be with us. And the biggest problem that we have in prayer is not with God with us. It's with us. I, I want to give you three of the more common reasons why we don't spend more time with him or acknowledge him, acknowledge the relationship during him. I want to give you three of the more common reasons that I can think of. The first one is shame and guilt. Some of you are, you, and, I, and I've talked to people who say, oh, I couldn't talk to God. I couldn't really pray to God. I really feel like I can't be with God because you just don't know what I've done. I've done some horrible, I think terrible things. And, and like I said, uh, uh, I tried to say it every week, but I don't know if I have. 
That's like saying you ha- you're wounded and you say, but I got to get my wounds patched up and stitched up before I go to the, new- the ER. No, go to the ER. That's where you get them stitched up. God knows it anyway. So whatever shame, whatever guilt you feel, go to God. He already knows anyways. He's a great physician. He won't just heal you emotionally. He'll heal you spiritually. He'll forgive you. He wants to be in relationship. Second, the second most common reason is, or one of the common reasons is that we don't want to impose on him. We feel like, well, God's pretty busy. I mean, he's got the whole universe to take care of after all, and I'm just one person. What, who, am, who is little me? Now, at the base of that is a very, it may sound like a very humble statement. It's a very proud statement. It's a, now, why is it a proud statement? It's a proud statement because God says in his word he wants to be with us. Are we going to believe what God says? Or are we going to say, no, I'm going to reject what God says, and I'm going to read my own poor self-image, whatever it is, into that whole thing. I, I just want you to know that he, he's never too busy for his children. It, make, it makes sense, doesn't it? When you think about your own children, if you have children, and your child is really hurt, and they walk in, and they say, I'm really hurt. I need to talk to somebody. I'm really struggling. I just got beat up on the way home from school. And you go, you know what? I'm kind of busy right now. Could you wait till a commercial? You're bleeding. Will you get off the rug? You know, I mean, seriously, you just just come back later. No good parent would do that. Well, why do we put that upon God? Why do we say, oh, that's the way our Father in Heaven is? Our Father in Heaven is never overwhelmed. He's completely in control of the universe. He's never surprised or caught off guard. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, full of grace and mercy. And He's the God that we say, well, I just wonder if He has time for me. Yeah, He does. The third one is unanswered prayer. Some, some people, you may have talked to, th- to them. Maybe you're here tonight, and you say, you know, my problem with God is I asked God for something that was really important in my life. Maybe you've asked God to spare a life of somebody very close to you when they died, or you, whatever it is. You just, you, just, you just went before God, and you pleaded with God, and God didn't give you something. And you said, because God remained silent, I just don't want to be with him. And that's the objection I really want to address this week. I want to talk about one of the biggest struggles that many Christians have and many people have is when heaven is silent. When you cry out to God with your heart, your soul, for something that you believe is very important and very good and very right, and God just remains silent. Our motives are good. And yet God doesn't answer. Why doesn't God answer our prayers? I think there's a number of reasons why he doesn't. First, let me say that God always answers your prayer. Always. It's not that God doesn't answer your prayers. It's just he he answers them. He either says yes, or he says no, or he says wait. Wait. Those are the three answers that God gives to prayer. So he always answers prayer it's just that and by the way many times we don't know what his answer is maybe after the fact we do but many times we just don't know what the answer is so what are the reasons why god answers no sometimes we make improper requests we ask for the wrong things at the wrong time for the wrong reason 
And God is gracious. He's loving and kind. He's wise. He knows better than we do. And he's not going to give us something that's bad for us. For example, we may be asking for something very good. We may be saying, God, I want this job. Please give me this job. This is my dream job. This is the job I've always wanted. And, God, and basically, God doesn't allow you to get the job. And the reason he doesn't allow you to get the job is he, he knows that if you get this job, you'll be consumed by this job. You'll be so consumed by this job that it will become your life. It'll become your God. It'll become your dream. It'll become everything. Your source of significance, your source of satisfaction, your source of security. It'll be everything to you. It'll become God for you. And he says, you know what? I won't give you that. I won't give you that. We say, well, God said no. Why didn't God give me that? You may lose your family. You may lose everybody close to you because you want to have this job. And you may not start out that way, but it becomes your God. And God says, I see where this is going, and I'm going to just say no to that. So it may be that we're making an improper request, or God can see where that request is going to lead us. Secondly, we might ask at the wrong time. Sometimes God's answer, God doesn't answer right away because we're asking too early. Or sometimes we ask too late. I counsel people all the time, and I talk to people all the time. And uh, the, saddest, the saddest time of dealing with people is when they're asking God for a home run. They're asking God to get them out of a jam or to save a marriage or to, to fix a problem. And this has been going on for a very long time. And so long, in fact, that they, and, 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 and the reason they have this problem is because they haven't been with God. They haven't walked with God. They haven't followed the direction of His Word. So they're in a real mess right now. And so they're asking God to, to do a home run rescue. And God isn't willing to do that at this point. God isn't willing to rescue them. And it's too late. They have to live with the consequences of their sin. And, and that's a hard thing. Because sometimes as a pastor, you sit there and you say, you know what? It would have been so much better if you had come, if we had prayed, if you had been with God a long time ago. If you had been with God six months ago, your life would be totally different now. If you had been following the direction of His Word, your life would have taken a whole different direction. But because you chose that... Now, is your life over? Absolutely not. But we know that with choices comes the direction of our lives. So sometimes we ask for God, then it's too late. We've, we've made choices that can't be turned, that, that can't be changed. Now, that, again, that doesn't mean your life is over, but it does mean that God is going to have to work in a different way, and you have to accept that and just say, you know, part of this is because I walked away from God. The saddest part of, uh, of the Christian life is when we walk away from God, and God says, I want to be with you, and you say, yeah, I kind of want to be alone, like the prodigal son. We go and do our own thing, and then we say, you know, I'm, I'm in the midst of all these pigs, and I'm eating the, the stuff they're feeding the pigs, and I don't like my life very much. Well, where was the father doing all this time? Hoping the son would turn around and come back. Maybe you're a person, you know somebody, you've been praying for healing, but you've been praying kind of specifically, and, and I think it's okay to pray this prayer. You've been praying for maybe yourself or someone else for healing. You've been praying for them to be healed today, now, right now, this side of heaven. And God doesn't seem to be answering your prayer. And I want to just say that he may not heal today. He may not heal this side of heaven. And he may wait until heaven. You see, I believe God heals every one of his children. It's not, no question about it that God heals us. The question is when. 
is God going to heal us this side of heaven or the other side of heaven? Because frankly, if God heals us this side of heaven, we're still going to die, right? Unless Jesus comes back. So ultimately what we've done, and I understand, and, and I'm not saying we shouldn't pray. If we, if we know somebody who's sick or we're sick and it's a dire situation, you ought to pray. You ought to do whatever you can. But understand this, that sometimes God says, I'm not going to heal you this side of heaven. I'm not going to give, heal you this side of heaven. And so here's, here's my point. Many of us know that God has chosen. We know good Christian people. We've prayed for them. We've been on our faces before them. We pleaded with God for them. And God said, not this side of heaven. And they've gone to be with God in heaven. They're healed today. They're healed today. And we struggle with that. I'm just saying, let's not put a timetable on God. Let's just not say, God, you have to do it now. You have to do it now. You see, we should still ask. We should still plead with God. We should still do everything we can to find healing. But we should not put God in a box about how and when he must heal. So sometimes we ask too too soon. Sometimes we ask, our timing isn't right with our prayers. Or, number three, we have a broken relationship with him. You know, sometimes we ask God for something, and we have a really, uh, we have a broken, sinful relationship with him. We have sin in our life. We, we're actively sinning. And we, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, um, God says the first thing we need to do before we talk about anything else is we need to repair that relationship. And this is what John says in, in uh, 1 John he says, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim that we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. John is basically saying that if God's word has a place in your heart, you won't deny sin, you won't downplay sin, you won't say... That somebody made me do it, the circumstances made me do it, you'll take ownership for your sin, you'll take full responsibility for your sin, you'll confess your sin, you'll admit your sin, you'll make, and, and basically, you really, the first thing you need to do if you know you have sin in your life is go to God. He already knows it anyways, and repair that relationship. You see, it makes sense, doesn't it? Why would God grant our requests when we don't even want to have a restored relationship with him? That's like asking somebody that you've harmed and you've slandered and you've done terrible things to do you a favor. You go, well, no, I don't think they're going to do it. (laughs) No, God isn't put off by us. I mean, it's not like God is sitting there angry with us. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, though, the first step in having our prayers answered is to go to him and say, God, is there anything that's keeping me? You know, it's like David said, Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Look, at t- look into my life and see if there's anything between you and me. Make, make me right with you first. So let's just say that you've made a good request. You're asking in the right time. You've dealt with any sin in your life. But heaven still remains silent. What about those times? I, I want to share, and I want to spend the rest of the time that we have this weekend talking about what is it another factor that we don't often think about and we, we we've talked about it a little bit here but i don't know if we if if you have really considered it very much 
that there are other reasons why sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers in the time and in the way that we desire. In fact, I want to look at a time in the life of Jesus where Jesus didn't answer a request. All right, so let's go to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Let me, let me ask you to begin to think about doing something. Now, I'm beginning very early. We're, we have a, a thing that we're working on right now. It's our mission for the next three years, and it's 5 for 15. And what we're going to ask you to do is to reflect on God's Word daily. And if the first step of doing that, you know, if you, if you do the, the getting things done thing, they always tell you that if you have a step of... Uh, you're going to reflect on the Word of God? Well, the first step isn't to say, I'm going to reflect on the Word of God. The first step is to say, okay, do I have a Bible? If you don't have a Bible, you need to get a Bible. And here's what I want to challenge you to do. If you don't have a Bible, get a Bible. And if you have a Bible, bring it with you. Start to bring it with you. When you come on the weekend, start to bring it. When you go to a Bible study, bring your Bible. Start walking with your Bible. Have your Bible. Why? Because as you read it with me, as you follow along, as you make notes you'll find the Spirit of God will begin to speak to your own individual heart in a much more powerful way than if you just look at the slides. So that's uh, preparing you for this next year when we go through the Bible and we reflect upon it. Get a Bible and start to bring it with you. Start to bring a pen. Make some notes, all right? Let me read John 11, verse 1. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick, so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. Now it happened for the, no, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of Man will receive glory for this. So although Jesus loved Mary, Uh, excuse me, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. So what we have here is we have, you know, I don't know in the New Testament if there are other, I mean, we know that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were his, probably his closest friends. So think about that. Your closest friends come to you and say, we know that you can probably help our brother. And he's sick. He's going to die. Would you please come? And it's not a long distance for him to get there. Jesus isn't miles and miles away. There's plenty of time to get there. And what does Jesus do? This is a request. This is a prayer request. This is a prayer request not from an enemy, from a friend, somebody somebody that Jesus loves, somebody very close to Jesus, somebody that is a dear friend to Jesus. And what does he do? He doesn't go. Do you get that? Do you hear what's going on here? Jesus is asked by his dear friends to come as quickly as possible. And what does Jesus do? Nothing. Nothing. Have you ever done that? Have you ever felt that way where you've cried out to God, God, I need you to answer. I need you right away. I need you to come. It's an emergency. Would you please come? And it's as though he's not coming. Jesus delayed his visit. Now get this, he delayed his visit until Lazarus died. 
If Lazarus had died in, in the first day, he would have only waited one day. But he waited two days because he had to wait for Lazarus to die. He had to wait. So he waits. He delays and he, his visit. He waits until his friend is dead. I want, you to, I want that to sink in for a minute. Because I believe as we look at this, we'll see something about prayer that maybe we miss oftentimes. Here's the idea I want you to take away this weekend. Trusting God in times of unanswered prayer must be, it has to be based upon an unshakable hope in Jesus. If you're going to trust God during the good times, you must trust Him in the bad times. The only way you're going to trust Him in the bad times is you have to have an unshakable faith in Jesus Christ. So we come to the point where Jesus does show up. Lazarus has died. And Martha comes out to Jesus in verse 21 and says to him, Lord, if you only had been here, my brother would not have died. Have you ever said that to the Lord? Lord, if only. Lord, if only you had. If only, if only, if only, if only you had. If only you had been here. If only you had done this. If only, if only, if only, if only. But notice she sows, she sows faith. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. I, I believe at this point that Martha didn't understand why Jesus was delayed. Why he hadn't come sooner, why he hadn't answered their request. She didn't understand why her brother had to die. Both sisters, like us, struggled with unanswered prayer. And, and they walked with Jesus. <laughs> they physically walked with Him. They knew Him. <laughs> they, they sat at meals with Him. But what we learned from Martha is that we need to trust Jesus even though we don't understand what He may be doing. She still believed in Him. We learn from Martha that in those desperate times when we cry out to Jesus and we receive silent, He is worthy of our trust even though He remains silent, even though He delays. He is trustworthy. Now, question is, why did Jesus delay? Why was heaven silent? Well, we know why. Jesus tells us why. In fact, uh, it says in verse 4, when Jesus heard about it, about Lazarus being sick, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. Now, he didn't say he wouldn't die. He just says that this isn't the end of him. This isn't it for him. Um, it happened, though, notice, for the glory of God so that the Son of Man, that's Jesus, would receive glory from this. In other words, Jesus is saying this is going to be a pivotal event in my public ministry. It is going to be done so that people will begin to understand who I am, that I'm the Messiah. And not only can I heal people, not only can I cast out demons, not only can I perform miracles, I can raise the dead. That's really what it comes down to. In fact, if you go to verse 14 of chapter 11, it says, Jesus told his disciples plainly, Lazarus is dead. Because, you know, they got in this debate about he's asleep and he'll wake up. And he says, and Jesus, no, no, let's be clear. We need to go there now because he's dead. He's physically dead. 
And so he says, uh, Jesus told him plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. In other words, what he's saying for his, to his disciples is, this is going to prove to you that I have power that is not from men. It's not from here. It's from heaven. I came from heaven, and I am God, and I am able to raise the dead. That's essentially what Jesus is doing. He is talking about the glory of God being manifest in the life of Lazarus. So what I'm saying is this. Lazarus was allowed to die so that Jesus could come and give him life and thus demonstrate his glory as proof of his deity and mission. Jesus would be most glorified by raising a dead man, not healing him. Jesus approached the tomb of Lazarus, his friend. And this is what we read. This is the same chapter, John chapter 11, verse 38. Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he's been in there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you, were, you, uh, you, that you uh, always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they might believe that you sent me. In other words, Jesus is praying to God. And he's saying, God, I don't, Father, I don't have to say this out loud, but I am praying out loud so the people know that I'm praying to you. It's for their benefit that they understand what is taking place here. It's for their benefit that they understand what is about to take place is from you, that I have been sent from you, that you've authorized me to raise Lazarus. And he says this. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Now, what is going on here? Sometimes God allows us to experience trouble, sickness, and suffering so that His glory can shine through us. Are you okay with that? Are you okay knowing that sometimes God allows you to go through suffering and sickness so that His glory can shine through you? That's the reason, sometimes, that heaven remains silent. It's not punishment. It's not because God is asleep at the wheel. It's not because he doesn't care. It's because he's doing something bigger than what we can see with our feeble human minds. I believe that one of the reasons that Jesus wept was because of what Lazarus and his sisters had to experience. And it does say that. That's one of two times that it says that Jesus wept. The second time is when he came down on the mountain, on the the, uh, colt, and he saw Jerusalem, and he wept over Jerusalem. This is the other time. It says that he was overcome. He, He wept. He was overcome with an emotion. I believe one of the reasons that he was overcome 
But it's because his sister, his friends, his dear friends, his, these sisters and his this friend Lazarus had to go through this difficult, draining, emotionally terrible and physically difficult situation. But God's glory was clearly demonstrated in Jesus. But it required Mary, Martha, and Lazarus as participants. And here's the thing. Just like Mary and Martha and Lazarus, we don't always get the script. God doesn't always say, oh, by the way, here's what's going to happen in the next month. You're going to go to the doctor. He's going to tell you this news. But here's what, and you're just not sure what the script is. And even his friends. Now, Jesus could have said, hey, Mary, Martha, Lazarus, huddle time. Hey, I love you guys, but this is what's going to take place, and I want to prepare. He didn't do that. You say, why not? Because he's God, and he doesn't have to do that. It doesn't mean he doesn't love them, doesn't care about them. But they weren't, they weren't given a briefing. They were called to trust the one who gives life. Here's the principle. Even in the midst of unanswered prayer, we can always trust in Jesus. Will you allow him, will you allow him to demonstrate his power and his glory through you? It may be through suffering. It may be through sickness. It may be through trials, tribulations. Be careful how you answer that question. (laughs) And again, sometimes heaven remains silent. And it doesn't mean you sin. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't care. Or that he isn't isn't aware of what you're going through. It may may just be that God is saying, I'm doing something that as of God I don't have to explain. I mean, that's essentially what he said to Job, isn't it? 